Good day, friends. Welcome to the Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. I'm your host, Elcio Eber, transformational author, speaker, and life coach. Allow me to be a guide as you discover your higher self and your magic within. Good day, Jim, and thank you for joining me for the Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. How are you today? Doing well, thank you. Great. I'm glad to have you on. Yeah, good to speak with you. Yes, and this is now we've been wondering. Um, I know I was talking to you about this book that I'm publishing, and so I wanted to be able to talk a little bit more with you about that and touch on some of the basis of that, and you know, kind of go back and forth with you and I relationship and how we met and how that relationship grew to, dare I say, close to 10, 15 years or more, and just kind of touch some of those bases. Swimming the Ocean Consciousness is the title of the book, and that's why I'm using it also for the podcast, with the hopes of introducing myself as a transformational author, speaker, and life coach to the world scene, as I sort of transition a new chapter in my life where I am still involved in tennis, health, and fitness, but I'm trying to engage that from a perspective as an entrepreneur, trying to establish a tennis academy business versus teaching professional as I've been doing it for 25 years. And so this is something new, but also something old, because as you remember from our friendship and many years of our conversation, there's also always been something beneath the surface for me that has been spiritual in sense and a a connection to that. I wouldn't really say it's religious, but I know it's deeply in that spiritual side of it. And I know we've had a lot of conversations in that. So I would be glad to share some of that with you today and just dialogue a little bit. That sounds great. Yeah. I mean, we've had yeah many conversations over the years. And I think when we first started talking, I think it was clear to me that the, you know, besides the obvious passion for tennis and for, frankly, you know, how you approach, you know, the sport of tennis, there was something, you know, even more, you know, something deeper, I think, that I recognized, which, you know, to me, it was really, you know, captivating, I guess, because I think personally, as a spiritual person, I recognize kind of that depth that, you know, from which you kind of operate. So to me, I think that kind of connected me with you thinking about, you know, life is such a broad consideration. I mean, you know, what we do is only part of who we are, but we start connecting to kind of the spirit. Then you start talking about, you know, the person, you start talking about what's meaningful. And I think between you and I, to me, I think that's attracted, you know, a lot of my time with you and, and obviously we, we you know we grew as friends from that yes correctly and you know there i say i mentioned to you before but i've always been appreciative of our relationship and i've always looked to you as a sort of a big brother and as a mentor and i'd like to touch a little bit on what you're saying as far as because for me i felt that immediately with you from the very first meeting in troy when i came into the office mm-hmm. ambitious and excited young man i gotta do this great project right <laughs> um, right. yeah. But what it is, Jim, is that I know I, I feel like I grew up with my uncle that was a tennis professional, how I got into the industry and into sports, and he played professional back in the days, friend with Matt McElroy, Yvonne Lendl, and so forth. So I, I grew up from that, but I was raised by my grandma. I only knew my father for the first decade or so, and then they got divorced and he left. But even before that, he wasn't always around. So people always commend to me and say, hey, you're always so respectful and such a gentleman. And I really attribute a lot of that to my grandmother and her raising me. And I could always remember her always saying, that I was always saying how I wanted to make her proud. And she said, the only thing I want you to do for me is to put a man's head on your shoulder and to be a man. And then as I got older in my teens, I remember I would try to go to the stage of, I was going through that stage of transformation from adolescence. She would say, you'll never understand how hard it is for a woman to raise a man. And that was powerful even then. But then later on in time, as I really had time to sit with that, it meant a lot to me. And when I met you, I had met a man that was generous and kind and respectful. And I just saw something that I wanted to admire to be, you know, add to my how I wanted to grow and be. Because the only other person I ever met that was my other mentor, Ken DeHart, you know, Tennis professional in California. I was people always find it surprising that I always talk this greatly of my tennis uncle, but then there's always the dark part where growing up having anger and his emotions as a young child it was difficult because here's this person you admire and look up to, but then they're very verbally and emotionally insulting and degrading and abusive. So that's been a difficult 
early childhood for me growing up. But I'm taking the treasure of what my grandmother gave me in life lessons onward. Then here I am, a young man, and I met you. And, you know, to be honest, just you carried yourself with such dignity. And I respected that. And as we got talking more, I realized you did have more, it was more deeper rooted than just architectural professionalism. It was your spirit. It was who you were. And that resonated with me deeply. Well, I mean, you had, you had, you had so much passion for what you believed in that, you know, I think that's a lot of what kind of motivates people to do what they do. That is, you know, it's the driver. It's like the engine to keep you going. But, you know, at the same time, one of the things that I think, you know, I think you recognize, one recognizes, I suppose, after being old, <laughs> being as old as I am, that, you know, that has to be channeled, right? Directed. And so sort of find the right way to channel that that energy and that, that motivation was, you know, part of the part, really the key for maybe you leveraging what you want to get accomplished, you know, ultimately. So, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't have any particular intention other than just to listen to understand who you were and what you're trying to accomplish and see what it is that can do to, to help you channel that to get to a place where you actually can, you know, you know, that sort of the Maslow self-actualization I think about. I think about how do you get to a point where, you know, where in fact you can be self-actualized. Now, that's a pretty lofty place to be, but, but I guess, you know, the idea was that, you know, once, once you kind of be, you know, you can trust a little bit and also trust in who, you know, you were from things that maybe you learned from your grandmother, but, yeah. but also, you know, understand that there's sort of this process you have to go through, which is kind of frustrating. And particularly, you know, when you're, when you're excited and anxious, you get a little bit impatient with, you know, I get that because, you know, I've been there before in some ways. So, you know, I, I just wanted to figure out how I could kind of help you and be, I mean, genuinely help just provide whatever knowledge I can provide or experience I can provide so that you could accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And I think that was super important timing for me as well, because I speak now of transformation, but even then I was sort of in the process of going through my own transformation. And that was from a player into mm-hmm. a performance coach. But then after doing mm-hmm. Several years, it was realizing that, wow, even though you're great at playing and teaching, my passion really was in the business side of it, the development, what makes a good club or a tennis center really function and work. And I was excited about that prospect of being able to share that passion that was inside of me. So even then, it was to be and to share something more than just my skills as a teaching professional or playing professional. And I remember one of the first things you said as we started conversing more was that you were teaching me of, I look at it teaching me, you gave me advice of patience, which was something I have a hindsight now, now to look back on. But then I didn't realize that how intensely massive such projects are and the time it takes to materialize such a vision. I saw the vision and I saw a firm that can do it and I saw, oh, it can be done. And that process, I remember clearly you said, you know, such great vision requires a lot of time and planning to really see it through and to have that full vision become fruition and something that is manifested. And that was powerful words enough that stay with me because throughout the process of trying to move forward in life and supports, I've always kind of returned back to that, that it is something that takes time. And in that time and process, I then not only realized that I was more interested in coaching than I was in playing. And then after doing it 25 years, I was became more interested in touching lives and that how I was actually connecting to people and touching the lives of people just by who I was and that prompted me then to realize the growth process from a player to a coach to an entrepreneur, business owner, to then reinventing that now with the book as a life coach and a transformational life coach, the process of transformation. And that's what it always was for me, is the transforming myself consistently, never settling or staying idle. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes time, doesn't it? I mean, yes. I think that's kind of what you're saying. And, and I think, you know, we were very... You know, when we're really passionate about something, we, we struggle with patience because we want to accomplish, right? And for those who like to get things done at the same time, you know, it's, it's a struggle to realize that some things just take some maturation. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, sort of the terrible old adage of kind of great wine, which takes time to age. Yeah. I mean, the reality is it does take some time to let uh, ideas kind of 
grow and ferment, if you will, and, and get to a point where it's it's had the chance to really become kind of well thought through. But also, you know, at the same time, you know, sometimes our initial thoughts aren't the uh, you know final thoughts that we ultimately realize we want to accomplish. So yeah, it takes a lot of patience, and I, just the kind of work that we do, and I've been involved in, you know, there's a long gestation from idea to reality. And I've obviously learned over time that, you know, there are a lot of things that a, you know, an idea has to kind of go through before it can see the reality that it was envisioned in the first place. And then sometimes it doesn't end up being exactly what you thought, but it doesn't mean it's any less powerful or any less significant. In fact, perhaps even more real, you know, in some ways. So, I'm sure you're tested a lot. I know LCO over the years, and I'm sure it's been frustrating for you. But in many ways, you know, seeing kind of the growth and the learning that's occurred along the way, that's kind of made you uh, much more strong and perhaps more confident with what you're trying to accomplish than perhaps where you were before. No, very much so. And even even to to the point, I even, even with this new becoming that I have, I call it my third chapter after my divorce and everything. And it was just something clicked in the last couple of months. I'm not sure we had time to talk about that. But, you know, it's one day I woke up, Jim, and it was inside a light and it felt like a dawning of something new. And the sun had set on the old part of my life. And that was a realization that I had transformed into something new that had to become. I had to let go of what was to be what it was. And in the process of working now on this new brand and the book and everything, it's very much the same as we speak of and developing a sports and entertainment center or something that would function is that, like you said, the vision is there and knowing from experience now, like we talked about some project we worked on that the vision we start with doesn't always end up what the end product is itself, how it functions or looks like, but in that process of going from where we have a desire, we have a vision, we have a drive and a purpose to achieve or to reach a destination or accomplishment, there is always that transformational process that takes place. Sometimes some of us resist it. Sometimes we give up in the process in between. Like, you know, I joke about it, but for me, it's been 20 years long of holding faith and belief. Now it's manifesting in this way forward. But, you know, like I said, it hadn't become a huge multi-million dollar sports entertainment facility, but the brand now is becoming more what that was meant to be for me in terms of touching people or reaching people. I'm now doing it on a one-to-one basis through the work that I'm engaging in, which is direct assistance of connecting mind, body, spirit. You know, which kind of leads me to my next question on us in section two is like, was this, was a lot of who you find you are and how you become resilience, something you've learned to your process or was it something connected with your parents and your upbringing or your years of traveling or being growing up in different countries added to your groundedness? Yeah. 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 Interesting question. You know, perhaps a little bit of all of that, but I mean, if you sort of thought about the reality of being exposed to a number of different cultures, just because, you know, my parents are from two different cultures and, and realizing there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we approach life yeah. through then, you know, realizing that, you know, my family had some tough times and at some point before I was an adult that also taught a little bit of perseverance, you know, that I think I took forward and I took forward to say, look, you know, I can, there's a lot that I can do as a, as a young man that I want to prove myself. And I think I had that kind of eagerness to prove what I could do spirit, <laughs> which, you know, time tempers a little bit and you realize you can't do a lot of things that you thought you can do. And what, what was more important was understanding kind of how you treat other people. And so my life over time was while I've had a lot of challenges with, you know, with, with marriages and being with really wonderful people, but relationships that couldn't that just didn't sustain itself but also having two great kids who are adults now and learning to try to have them grow as great adults that hopefully they become you know productive self-sustaining adults on their own you know you learn a lot about life during all that and it's not a straight line and um anybody who's gone through life you know recognizes that there's so many twists and turns so anything even with uh with trying to develop a business and i think in your case was sort of knowing that there was maybe a way to i mean there was a vision you had 
you wanted to sustain it as a business, but I think what you were saying just a minute ago, I think is super crucial and critical. And that is that you want to touch people. And I think at the end of the day, it's about people. And that's what's most important, I think. And maybe you've kind of come to that place where you're realizing that, you know, what you really want is how to trans, you know, not just the transformation of yourself, but how does that, you know, how does that influence people and their lives? And for you, I mean, mind, body, spirit is, you know, you use tennis as a medium, but yeah. it's really a medium that touches the whole person. And I think that's what makes us unique and what makes you unique, LCO, with what you do and what you're interested in. And I think that's realizing that that's, if you believe in that, which I know you do, that's what's special. And I think ultimately that's what's meaningful and lasting. So I applaud you for that. And I think that's where you should be, you know, emphasizing your energies because the other stuff will come and the other stuff will come. And I think people recognize the authenticity of your belief. And from there, you know what, anything's possible. No, and I appreciate that. Thank you so much. No, and you know, it is real because for me, it's been, like I said, I always tell people tennis has always been my passion and I made it a career because my math teacher told me that if I found something I love to do and made it a career, I'd never had to work a day in my life. Right. Uh, and I didn't believe her at the time, but as I grew older and I had to make that decision and I, I realized tennis was really what I love and I realized that most of I love teaching and I, I followed a career in both of those. But ultimately what it led me to realize, like you said, is that it was a passion. It is, still is my passion and I'm passionate now about doing it as an entrepreneur and creating a really great tennis facility that juniors and adults can play recreationally and competitively. But for me, I feel like, like you talked about the relationship, because I've just gone through a divorce, which it just kind of touched me in a lot of ways, because it catalysts me into this third chapter that I keep talking about, because I sort of realized for so many years, I was living to please someone else. I was living to please my wife and her family. And I, the person that you met slowly disappeared in the background. And I think probably some of those years really when we weren't always in touch and so forth, but I didn't see all that. Life had just kind of swept me away. And now I'm finding that light again inside that courage and that strength to stand. And what I realized was my passion really isn't my driving force. It's my gift. And my gift is something that I had ever since I was a child and it developed over time. And that gift was spiritual and that gift was I don't know how to explain it really even without sounding weird, but if I spend a couple minutes speaking with someone, I can feel their heart, not the heart that beats in the chest, but the heart that is some of all that they are sort of resonates with me. And that is what I connect with. And I started doing that in, in teaching, not knowing it, but it's what gave me insight to my students and my clients. And I was able to then help them much better because Unknowingly, as we got talking with this disconnection. So now I'm finding that I'm living for my God's given gift, what spirit has blessed me with. And that realization of that courage to take that leap forward came from my love and my passion for the sport of tennis, health and fitness and everything that was it wasn't and represented. But in and of itself was a struggle, in and of itself was a transformation. And that struggle was inside myself to find and to reestablish myself. And yeah, I know some stuff we probably can talk about is a bit touchy, but you know, one of the things I always admired, Jim, that I didn't quite realize until after my divorce was I could tell about how honorable of a man you were from a friend's perspective on the outside. When I saw how you handled your relationships and your divorces and supports. So I remember when I met, you were already divorced, Shay and Cole's mom, but you were with, uh, I don't want to get it wrong, <laughs> you were with Murr. And I came over there yeah. and I met Murr and her kids and we had a dinner. I felt, I remember, because I, I could joy talk to myself about it. He said, hey, we're going to go to the ranch house. And I go, oh my gosh, the ranch house, they got horses. <laughs> I'm like, no, mm. ranch house. But it was just, you know, coming no. Coming from a, an island in Caribbean, different culture, I didn't realize the ranch was this a style of home. But, yeah. but I was, Mer, Mer was a, a beautiful person and, and I loved talking and meeting. And then I sort of went off to California again and we touched base again. And, but that was, I learned how to face the adversities. I was facing my relationship and my divorce because of my friendship with you and being connected as you went through a lot of these things. 
I saw how you carried yourself. I saw how you spoke before or after of your ex wives. And, you know, it's always with mm-hmm. dignity and always with respect. And, and that's what I meant earlier. It's like, you're just always a kind soul, Jim, you know? And I know sometimes life is hard and frustrating with certain things you've been through personally, but it never changed who you were as much as you were going through a difficult time or angry, upset. You always were square. And I was respectful. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. I guess the one thing that I kind of learned from my father was, you know, always, despite what people may make you feel, there's always a certain level of respect that, you know, you need to have for them. And, and I think um, in some ways, I probably learned that there's always, you know, I'm less than a perfect human being. And, and it's at some point, I know that whatever it is that we go through, I just will have to maintain a certain level of respect for people. So I guess for me, it's just continuing to be who you are. And, you know, I think when you said earlier that, you know, you don't really need to be the person that, you know, you were before. I mean, what I mean by that is I think what you're referencing is, look, I mean, you know, you learn a lot from when you're younger and, but it doesn't mean that you don't grow. I mean, you grow and you learn and you become the person who you were meant to be. Only in a much more, in a much deeper, you take the gifts that you were given and you become the person that you are meant to be around that. So the gifts allow you for a lot of opportunity to do amazing things. And the person who you are is somebody you want to be able to always look back and, you know, and, and know that, look, I'm the person who I wanted to be. And people, some will respect that. And so, you know, we're all different. But, you know, LCOU, you, you have, you have the gifts, you have certain gifts. And you have a passion that kind of drives you to accomplish certain things. And I think you're meant to sort of follow that through. I think in the context of being a person, you know, a citizen of this universe that recognizes and respects the fact that, you know, we're all different. But, you know, you seem to be given given the gift to understand people and who they are. And I think if you use that to help them realize their potential, then that's a huge thing. I think that's your gift, and you got to, you know, use it. So I encourage that. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, I didn't, the thing is, it, it started to manifest, and I was hiding it away because of that part of you that feels, oh, don't be the weird one. <laughs> don't, you know. Yeah. How do you, how do you, that gray line of, no, it's really okay. It's just spirits talking to me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's an inspiration. It's coming in. But, no, uh, it has always been, uh, the final line of really clarity and even in any type of relationship, friendship, family, it's always been that guiding point for me forward. In fact, if I could uh, trouble your ear for a moment, I know you haven't gotten to see my outline or the ch- sample of the first chapter, but my editor decided to include one of my poetry pieces that I wrote in the beginning of the outline. And it kind of mm-hmm. speaks to several things, but I, I want to read it to you really quick. And maybe we can pick some stuff from there, but I think it ties into what you're talking about, but it is also showing the depth of my heart, my mind, and seeing a situation. So it's called Tears That Never Fall, and it goes, the heart and soul of a man is a bond, such a unique bond of divine intimacy. There's such a magical love affair, for it is the mind and soul, the inner sanctuary of the virgin. The body of a man is the element of the Holy Trinity that allows for there to be a place where two lovers can meet in secret. The tears of the soul of man for the heart of man is deep, as deep as the ocean of tears. She cries tears that never fall as I watch her cry. I am listening to her heart. I can feel the deep wave like a melody. Suddenly, all of the ancestors are behind of me. Be still, they say. Watch and listen, and for you will see the results of love, sweat, and tears of thousands of souls who came from her, from across her waters, from her tears. We are her children who number three from one womb. So witness the rain next time and see if you can stop and hear all those first tears of innocence lost in this world for they become the mighty rivers that flows into the lakes and the oceans of consciousness and to the hearts of all, the ocean whose depths are only known to one, the one who gave his all when he gave his body, that the mind and the soul may have a holy place to commune. The tears she cries, she cries for her love. She also cries for the loss of innocence. 
take a moment, look at the raindrops in slow motion and see her tears, listen and hear. You can hear the magical music they make as they fall into this place, this place of magic, this place that is you and I. Our love is symbolic of that of the great soul and the great mind, which we are mere images of. I am the light, I am the way, I am the lighthouse of hope to those seeking the way of self. The tears that fall are the raindrops from her cup, her cup that overflows with tears of innocence lost, the tears of lovers who yearns to embrace even though they are in two different places. This is my story, this is your story. The tears that never fall. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, the ocean of consciousness represents the mind and talking of the heart and soul in that connection, I talk, not the heart that beats in the chest of man, but that which is the sum of what he is, mind, body, spirit, because to connect over, and that's relevant to we are living in the physical place, but then we are then manifestations of the divine, the heart and the soul, because the soul is what we call the father, the kingdom of God, and the heart is the mother, and she is the creative force of life, and her tears that never fall is, is from her, her heart, her soul. And, but yeah, so it's, it's a little deep, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> hmm. It plays with how we come to a place at some point where things slow down and the years become those tears, and we see the falling, the consciousness that we awaken into that it is more than what we are in flesh. Like you said, it's more than the flesh, it's the heart and the soul that needs to make that connection one-to-one. Well, if you, um, I mean, maybe in simple terms, you know, given the depth in which you've articulate your thoughts about that, but in simple terms, when we start to realize that we're more than just flesh, then we start to realize a whole other level of kind of being and with what we're doing, whatever it is we do, and in your case, using, let's just kind of get right back to, you know, tennis as a way of really recognizing and realizing a much larger place that we are in in the sense of the context of the world or the universe. I think you're, in many ways, connecting people to a much greater conscience. I mean, it's, and not to, you know, I recognize, like, you know, we're not talking about philosophy as much as is really the reality that life is connected to a lot of the things that we do. And we use certain mediums to kind of recognize and, and actualize our connection to the universe. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you know where I come from spiritually. And at the same time, you know, while that's my overall context and driver uh, in terms of my life, you know, I live this earth day to day. and so day to day, what we do is just as important, and I think what you have to contribute is, uh, you know, for maybe others to participate in that and realize that what they do is, you know, be their best, do their best, but also realize that they're connected to a much larger force, much larger spirit potentially, and and that makes them, hopefully, you know, a person that I want to say a better person, but. At least a person that they realize is bigger than the person that they realize they are right now. So I just, I'm confident, LCO, that through how you do and approach, you know, your relationships with your students and others that want to learn, that they'll recognize that there is more to it than just the skill side of, of what they do, right? And there's a health and wholeness that comes from recognizing sort of the broader mind, body, spirit of who we are. Yeah, no, definitely. And you said it correctly because it's even, as you said, what I feel, not only you and I connection, but we all are connected is in that mind feel. And it's that slightly oddness when you realize or recognize for yourself that what is deeply inside of me is deeply inside mm-hmm. of you, Jim. What's deeply inside mm-hmm. of you is deeply inside of Cole. But so what I'm saying is, as you were saying, when we go beyond who we are physically and who we think we need to be egotistically, the world, you know, the job, get a job, let's go, get a good, they retire. That beyondness, that next stage, that's why I'm calling it the ocean of consciousness. It's, it's like an ocean and we're all a part of that ocean. We're swimming, yeah. also the ocean itself. And that's the scale, mm-hmm. trying to bring it to as an architect, you know, look at it like a grid, this web, mm-hmm. 
being like a grid and it's it's in a density that's beyond the body but it's connected that grid then connects the mind which is from the heart to the soul and in that way if we can all get right with ourselves we can be right with each other in a much cohesive easy way well there's no anger there's no jealousy there's no anger. all these things slowly dissipate because we realize the love that's in me is the love that's in you the life that's in me is the life yeah. that's in you. so why would i say do want to others to do it to self and then i say but what about me I, it's only about me i should be good i should be happy I should, my, my happiness comes first it's not about whose happiness comes first or why i'm happy you're sad or you're sad or i'm happy it's, it's the fact that when you're happy i'm happy when you're sad i'm sad too because i feel that sadness with you mm-hmm. and because it's my life too and i've lived life and whether i have experienced it or not just by being true to myself and being true to you as you go to difficulty or a sadness or downtimes if love and, and mind and body is connected to soul you feel what the other person feels rather than saying oh it's okay tough it up you'll be fine keep your chin up buddy right it's more like right. and that's what I was trying to say like when you've been to like with the divorce and murder and the difficult things i right. could i could hear in your voice you know i could hear that crackle sometimes when we talk and i would just keep going you know but for me maybe i i was feel i was vibing the vibe you would you were feeling i was feeling what you were feeling mm-hmm. and i guess mm-hmm. my editor's calling it an intuitive empath as you said you are mm-hmm. and i'm not sure but mm-hmm. that's the ocean that i swim in and that's where the book's called the ocean of consciousness is just that i swim there and I, i believe that we all have that potential to tap that and that allows us to connect to the full mastermind you know the full akashic record of the universe the world or and how we can all be better being because of it. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you made me thinking that I think about that ocean is that cannot connect to soul. And I, you know, what if love was that actual ocean? And, you know, until you realize that you could swim in that ocean and connect with others, you don't realize the love that's, that you're kind of, you can all share and be immersed in. It's, it's a, you know, wow. It's a kind of a whole nother level. I mean, that's, yeah, it's just an amazing, amazing place to be. Yeah. And that's why they say, you know, like when you, from a religious perspective, let's say, you know, that moment when you go from being a believer to one of yeah. faith is because something happens at a moment and they say the, the spirit of the Lord embraces you. And when that happens, mm-hmm. you know, those that are outside, those, there he goes again with his Bible and his Jesus talk, or he goes again with this, you know, you look at them, then you realize, oh my gosh, nothing I say, mm-hmm. they will. Here. Nothing I say can really get them to see where the perspective that I've just touched. And when right. you realize that, you realize this is for you to feel and embrace. And the, that I remember I was leaving 21 years ago from St. Martin. My grandma was in her wheelchair because she had an amputated leg due to diabetes and stuff. But she said, you know, I've done all I can to make you the man I know you can be. And you're going out into the world all by yourself. And well, hurts me the most is I can no longer protect you, she said. And she started crying, but she said, I need you to know that put a man's head on your shoulder, like I told you, and his hands is with you. Mm-hmm. She reached forth her hand and she put it on my head and she says, I protected you to this point, but now you're in his hands and I know you. I know you. Yep. And that was powerful, but it took me a while to really understand. Right. And then when, so when someone said, my gosh, why didn't you just give up else? It's been 20 years. <laughs> you realize you. And I'm like, I'm doing the work that the spirit is guiding me. And people don't see that part of, you know. Right. Dude, 20 years? Right. You've been doing this shit for 20 years? <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that. To me, I don't know. Like, mm. Fast forwarded through time because I, I don't really know where that block of 20 years went, to be quite honest mm-hmm. with you. People think I joke about it. Amazing. No, really. It, no, I, I know. Spirit protected me to things. I would just, I remember, just because I'm in a better place about myself, I can talk about these types of things, you know? In the lowest point after the divorce, I was in Georgia, I was lost. I wasn't sure I wanted to die, Jim. I didn't want to, I didn't have a reason. Besides all the love and the things I feel at that point in my life, I had, my family had betrayed me. I, I didn't have, you know, I just felt like everything was just ripped out of my life. Mm. That moment, even, I remember the only thing that kept me going too was I can't leave Buster. No, I'll find mm. an apartment. And that was heavy. It was heavy for me to sit. Mm. It was heavy for me to digest that, oh, my God, this is where you are right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, the thoughts are, okay, I'm going to go to corn and get some razor blades. I even went to Google. I researched hanging myself. I researched different things. And, you know, these are things. Mm. Know. So when I was posting on Facebook and asking, saying, hey, I'm going through this difficult thing and I just want to get from one city to the other. I sort of kind of ran out of money and trying to start over. People weren't mm. realizing that it was really... But that's why I think it also is a transformation for me. I needed to share it. I needed to be in yeah. the, being on the highway, driving cross country two times in a row, all within one year. I wanted the world to realize that, you know, I'm not just taking selfies and posting for posting. I felt Facebook was about sharing your life with people. And But what I'm saying is I think I felt most I could not hide. Like the Lord brought me to a low place, but not to break me, was to tell yeah. me hiding who you are and you can't hide where you fall and you need to work through this. Like you mm-hmm. I can't hide it. Like why would I pretend everything's okay when I'm struggling to figure it out? That's where I said, you know, like something said one I remember one night I said, don't give up, you know, our, our work is not over yet. And I got up the next day and I had two choices, go to Texas, back to San Diego or come to Seattle. And my Jeep was broken down. I was in the garage and it was difficult. But once I got it going again, I I just knew I needed to go. And here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Bravely launched well, a new something again, you know, like a week ago. There you go. Right, right. It's been 20 years of that. Like if, if it's gotten difficult, spirit would show up. I would just be in a different place and I don't have much memory of those blocks in between. But not mm. that I block it out, it's just that. Dare I say, it felt protected. Like, yeah, you would stand, but when I reached to my knees and I could not really carry that weight anymore, I felt mm-hmm. like something carried me through. And when I was mm-hmm. doing that, I, my heart was happy and I was getting back joyful. I could feel that authority transition back to my body where I could then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's why I said the ocean of consciousness is because. I felt the life raft was always with me, guiding me through. Yeah. I joke now, I'm not really joke, but to get people to understand, why do you talk about the ocean of consciousness? Because it's as if it's like that lake, the lady of the lake and having to have crossed the lake. You'll, you know, many have gone in search of Avalon, but unless she allows you entrance, you're just sailing over waters. You'll never reach mm. Atlantis. You'll never reach Avalon. So the same mm-hmm. Will we reach heaven in this lifetime, in this physical body? Can we go and capture it and put a trademark on it and patent it? You know, I got the gates to kingdom. <laughs> no, because when you wake up from the dream, that really the essence of life really isn't to be had in this physical body, but it's when you can, from this body, through the mind, venture into the kingdom. And then we yeah. bless its soul, which is what enlightenment is, which was Christ is, you know. That's right. that has been a lifelong process to me to try to be true to my authentic and authority self and not hide that. Yeah. Much. Well, you've come a long way, Zosio. So, I mean, it's, um, how do I say this? I respect, I almost want to say I'm proud of you, but I mean, I, I don't want to sound like strange in that, <laughs> in that way. But I mean, I have a lot of respect for, for what you've kind of come through and the things that you've accomplished and the things you maintain, you know, sort of maintain a certain perspective and you know unfortunately life can be challenging and you know that it is the case for you know that's how life is and you know challenge us and i mean there's a purpose for your grandmother right and i dare say it was a purpose for you meeting me and i think others maybe perhaps it's also touched your life you know which has kind of gotten to you know gotten you to where you are today and i think you clearly have a lot of respect for that and, and you know, certainly see a lot of maybe what it's taking in hindsight to kind of get to where you are today. And frankly, that's something that people can't take away from you. And that's probably the most valuable aspect of your life journey, given the fact that you still have maintained a, you know, a strong connection with spirit. Life hasn't, hasn't knocked you out. <laughs> You may have been close, you know, several times. I think you've probably, you know, I dare say you've probably learned every single time, you know, a little bit more. And yeah. kind of where, yeah, and that's kind of, and I think, you know, you know, geez, I mean, I like, regardless of what you accomplish, I think you've already accomplished a lot. So I think you should at least acknowledge that and be, how do I say, 
you know, satisfied that your life is it's not been for naught. Your life has been a journey that I think others will can, can learn from and others can take maybe inspiration from. And I think maybe that's really the purpose. And what drives you is, well, you know, maybe tennis is the medium and you know, passion for teaching. But I think, you know, the ultimate value may be, frankly, even loftier than that than you frankly realize. So, I mean, kudos to just sticking it out, LCO, as you have so far. Thank you so much, Jim. I totally appreciate that. And, and it's, um, what you say, it has a lot of truth to it. Because what's the odd funny thing is that what you said is kind of what Spirit has told me the same thing in that, you know, all that I've done that might seem it falls short of my goal <laughs> and not mm-hmm. been nothing because it was work that was necessary. The, the, yeah. My egotistic self, LCO, in this flesh had to mm-hmm. go to a process to help that self release that spirit and self can share the mind equally. And I believe that mm-hmm. processes of these huge sports and entertainment, tennis facilities and competition sites and resorts and, and all these things that I've been working on the last 10 years was not for nothing because, like I said, it was a process of what is, you know, like, Jim, if you don't ask me now, what do you think of it? Well, that looks like an acre. And, oh, this is what we can mm-hmm. do, you know? My and I'm talking square footage and yeah, you need so much parking because if you're going to have so much people in the building, you know, and, but these were things I've learned from your guidance and your mentorship over the years applied to the projects. They've helped shape my perspective on life that I see life kind of from that grandmaster's perspective, dare I say, you know, from the square and the level mm-hmm. from that perspective. Yeah. The architectural mind thinking that I learned from you, that process that your mind goes to when you focus on a process, I was able to tap into that. And from there, mm. on a spiritual side now, I like I got a, I say a free jump into that mind now that sees things differently. I see mm. angles, I see geometry, I see numbers. I start seeing what, you know, oh, that's a nice square footage over there. <laughs> but mm. <laughs> it happens, you know, it just happens. I, but how that translates is I'm able to also see the beauty in people because of that. Mm. So in other words, I see the complexity of the mind and the individuality of people much more yeah. because the spiritual side helps me to see the spirit in the heart and that side helps me to understand what, real life reality day-to-day challenges they face much like a project as such would face right i get permits here you gotta, you gotta be so much feet down you gotta think of the water drenching condensation of water all these processes i see with people <laughs> and, and i think mm. a gift to be able to a gift that i sometimes don't always know i have because i'll pick up on things really quick and then i realize oh that wasn't really me picking up on it it's spirit seeing into their soul or seeing into their heart mm. um, I just get to be along for the ride sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 yeah. I'm very always grateful. Even now, like I said, I, I just know when I told you, Jim, I need to step back from it. I, I'm going to do it differently. Not Coach LCO trying to do this. It's going to be a project and, and uh, done differently. And I'll focus now on my gift and developing that and sharing that with the world. And that's, Good. yeah, that's where it's at. You, I look at it, you talk about like ocean consciousness and what they, they say all that. So I kind of always try to look at it and share with people. It's much like being at the lakeside on a beautiful morning where the, the lake is very calm and still and you skip the rock across the, the water and it skips. Hmm. One has to stop and look. And this is when life can be tricky for some people. But imagine yourself, take a deep breath, close your eyes, imagine yourself standing at that lake, beautiful, crisp morning, not too cold, very nice and crisp. It's just nice. And you find this beautiful stone, very well-rounded. Look at the lake and you just feel at one with nature and love and you just kind of toss the the, the stone. A beautiful day now. It skips two, three times across the lake. Tricky part is when you start to look at it and there's beauty as it goes and the speed and you realize, am I the one who tossed the stone? Am I the stone from the hand of God that's been tossed across the ocean of consciousness and creation of the universe? Mm. Is every aspect of my physical life a transition that I have come to be awakened within the body and sometimes go back to sleep? But in those moments, mm. 
each a skip on a water of consciousness. And that's, hmm. you realize, I am in a dream, dreaming of dreaming, dreaming of living a dream. Beautiful. <laughs> but <laughs> skipping across the lake but no that's what it's been you know and I think I've been through that thought process am I did I find a stone did I skip it am I the stone mm-hmm. being skipped am I we skip a person I touch you get you can you know they look at it like a fractal it just keeps going in as you keep looking at it deeper it just keeps expanding fractalizing such right as, such as the mind right right and that's why I'm very happy when we came up with the, you know, swimming in the ocean of consciousness, because it's that resonance of the mind that resonates the word of God, let's put it that way, that resonated through the universe and created creation. And we're just yeah. a frequency that's slow enough that we can vibrate as matter. <laughs> mm. But our mind is not the brain within the skull. The mind is something else. And that's the tricky for people to say, oh, my mind, yes, my head. No, not really. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the separation. And the way your brain calculates, and it's just a bunch of neurons firing synaptics. Mm-hmm. That's not your mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's the heart that is then connected to the soul, which is that bridge that crossing the lake mm-hmm. consciousness. Maybe she gives you access to Avalon and you get to pull the sword out of the stone like, like you know, Arthur did. But you might just go across and never reach. And without guidance, you get lost in this vastness of nothingness. And with the ego self, you start only thinking, me, me, I have to conquer my world. Now you're no longer open to listening that another heart might be with you, another life might be with you. Mm-hmm. You and I have yeah. it. It's just, well, Jim, it's Let's have this conversation about my life right now. <laughs> but no, right. I really wanted to make that soulful connection that you've touched my life, you know, and all those difficult times, you might not have realized it, but sometimes I, if you think back, it wasn't a big project. It was sometimes always just a phone call. Hey, Jim, I just want to check in. It was because the connection we have and just hearing your voice got me to, made me strong enough to realize, hey, just keep, keep going. You have a friend mm-hmm. out there. You're not alone. You have someone you can touch base with. I never said that, but it, a lot of times when I called you, I just wanted to touch base because it wasn't a project. It was just, I needed, I needed this that we have, you know, like I said, sometimes we, that brief six months I spent in <laughs> Troy, Michigan. Yeah. And I yeah. Right. Jim, I got to take Amtrak. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going cross country. Yeah. Right. Right. That too was a calling. And I woke up one day and Spirit said, let's go. Time to go. I said, what? Yeah. And I couldn't fight it. I just had to go. And you were like, you're leaving? I'm like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. That was one of those moments. I mean, Spirit said, great. This was enough. And we're ready to move to the next stage. And so that's what I meant. It's been 20 years of like, okay, I'm not sure. But there's been a guidance leading forward. And so now I'm doing it willingly. I'm opening courageously. And I'm living from my happy, joyous self with purpose a gift of life. Mm-hmm. Well, I can hear I can hear it in your voice, Lucille. <laughs> so that's a wonderful place to be. I mean, we're always still evolving, but you know, what a great place you've evolved to so far. Yeah, and that's what you were saying. That, I mean, originally when I came into your office, it was because I'd spoken to my government and able to try to develop a large piece of property for a tennis, health and fitness, sports resort type thing in the Caribbean. And like I said, the project, the the will to set up a project never changed. It's just constantly, I've been adapting to my surroundings. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, I found a site. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But like I said, the patience I've learned is that, okay, it's not like you're going to build a house or it's not like, you know, take a flat piece of land and do something and it's something simple. When you get into these types of thinking, it's really detailed calculations and processes that needs to happen to ensure the survival and success of the project itself. Also, it doesn't make sense. And one of the main things that I walked away from in those planning days were that, you know, I mean, you were trying to very kindly tell me that um, you have great ideas, LCO, and you could see the vision based on the open land and the size of the land could accommodate the vision. Mm-hmm. But I was always so excited about the vision and finding a lot that one key missing component I was overlooking that, again, like I said, that 
mind, that disciplined mind that you have, we're seeing it not from my passionate, excited side, but from this perspective of where are you going to put this project? What's the demographics like? Will the project, will, it, will that location sustain the investment of that project in that location? And I was like, oh my God, yeah, I didn't look at that. And you're kind of right. I mean, it's a great size and it's a good plot and it'll fit, but the business won't last if put in the wrong place. And so in life, we're the same, you know, we have to look at where we best fit in to work and all try out a perspective that makes our life work. And sometimes we move in a certain which way, like trying to put a project in the wrong location for the wrong reason. And then a life doesn't work out or that venture doesn't work out or that relationship doesn't work out because we overlook a key component, key crucial parts to it. And that's what I meant though, was like that sharing of our conversations has helped shape my mind where I then can see life in that way. And, yeah. and that's the blessing. Yeah. I think that process that I call it like pouring water into a glass, you know, and the purity of the water is the purity of the soul or the ability to open your heart to resonate with the frequency of God, the frequency of the source mm. energy outside. And that's the water that's in the glass. And the question is, is the glass half full or half empty or is the cup overflowing? Mm-hmm. And we become the cup of the glass. And I guess the question really guess is how much right. uh, here we are that we can hold that spiritual soulful essence. So, but I do hope that this won't be the final time that we have this nice discussion of swimming in the ocean of consciousness because um, yeah. I'd like to talk some more. And as things develop, I'll, I could share more of you know, the writings and the sample chapters with you. And you could always talk and go for it. Yep. Thanks for that stage. Yes. Good. So, Jim, I guess with that, I want to thank you for joining me on the Ocean of Consciousness. That's my pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. It's more open random. I'm, I'm not setting any criteria to the discussions. I'm just trying to always mm-hmm. have guests on that we can just talk and openly and I can share my perspective and my newfound gift with them and the world and those listeners. So thank that you. That sounds great. My have pleasure. Have a great day and we'll talk soon. Yes, I'll see we will. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. It was truly a pleasure to be your guide. Please do join us next time for another eye-opening episode. Until then, please remember to thread water lightly and always be kind and loving to self.